This is Mona Lisa Baseball, episode two. Yeah, if you haven't heard episode one, uh, I'd say go back and just do that one first. Um, It's a nine-episode show. It's comprehensive, so you might as well start at the beginning. Um... This show is dedicated to rule changes, cause that's where we're at. That today's the first day of spring, March twenty-first, and should be a really happy day. It's beautiful and sunny where I live. Uh, great things on the horizon, and I gotta say I'm pissed off. Just kind of felt that way all day, and. Uh, not going to hold Major League Baseball responsible for that, but instead of thinking about the excited or exciting things that are coming for this spring and summer, baseball-wise, um, I have to be, I don't want to give it too much credit, but panicked about the continuing butchering and dismantling uh, we got some pretty pretty serious uh, changes on the horizon. And uh, let's just go ahead and, and dive right in. Um, yeah, it's... Um, I guess the best place to start would be... Let's have a real discussion on why the rules are being changed. Um, and like I said last show... Uh, for many, many, many decades, the game was more or less played the same rule-wise. Uh, there was changes in the way that players and coaches and teams interpreted the rules and went about navigating through those rules. And so the game did change a little bit uh, from decade to decade. But... You gotta, you know, that's what makes the changes beautiful is things adapted because they had to. Um, but it's not really, not really working that way now. And you're kind of putting the history on the line when you start to change things because, you know, it's different. It's even to the degree when you went from 154 games to 162, Roger Maris hits a 61st in that extra, you know, eight game span. And then what do you do with the record book? Uh, well, for a while they went with an asterisk and I'm not an asterisk guy, but at the time it probably seemed prudent. Like, Hey, Babe Ruth did it in less games, less games on the schedule. So, I digressed a bit. Okay, so for decades it was played the same way. Um, So let's just go ahead and rewind and fast forward at the same time. Baseball is being played to all the same rules. And then the early 70s hit and uh, attendance is down and things aren't going great. And a rule has changed. Let's get more butts in the seats. And we're going to bring a designated hitter in. You don't have to bat your weakest player. Probably going to be your pitcher. And then you can just stick in a big, fat, 
slobby slugger that doesn't need to play any defense but can hit the heck out of the ball. So that rule was implemented. Um, And when I asked my dad about what it was like when the DH was implemented, he was a young man. And uh, I realized that even though he introduced me to the game, I never asked him sort of, you know, what it was like when you go from no DH to DH. Now, he wasn't a... Uh, he wasn't an American League guy, but I did hear some stories about cutting class and going to an A's game. Uh, also claimed to catch Harmon Killebrew's 399th home run. Uh, I never saw the ball, never saw the, the highlight or the footage, so I don't know that this is true, but that's what he claims. But he was always a National League guy. And he said back, back in the day that, um, you know, the A's was the team he was closest to in the American League, and that was with your your Raleigh Fingers type team, wax mustaches. And so what he was telling me was he already thought of the American League as almost kind of like a gimmick thing. Uh, I, I guess maybe in the way the ABA is to the NBA where you have the, you know, more Afros, more dunking, uh, rainbow colored ball. You know, whatever the fans might interpret as, hey, it's more fun out there. I just I just like the atmosphere. So he didn't take it very serious when it switched. Uh, he just felt like it was a gimmick. And um, and basically, owners have always had a lot more money than the players or the average fan. And the way they were making their big bucks back then was through attendance. And so... When attendance is down, the big American machine says you you got to do something to increase that. And if people aren't showing up to the game, you can't really just charge more and hope they show up. So you got to do something different. Um, so I guess what was his name? Charlie? Or was it? I know it was Finley. Don't think it was Charlie though, but it might have been. He implemented a thing where he told his players, he encouraged his players to have that wild look so that people would show up and, you know, look at the crazy team on the field. It also didn't hurt that they were winning World Series and arguably the best team out there. But times have changed, and that's not really where owners are making their money. I'm not going to say that attendance isn't a big thing, but realistically i think a lot more money is being made through tv contracts and i mean franchises values just go up i mean what at least at least 10 million a year just automatically and so the longer that an owner holds on to his team let's just say his or her team uh, the more it's going to go up and go up in a ridiculous fashion. Um, you know, similar to dot-com boom or Bitcoin or whatever. Franchises, you know, if you are one of the select people that owns a sports franchise in the United States and it's considered one of the big four, that's really, really exclusive territory. And... You're going to be 
probably really, really, really rich. So anyway, about 50 years after they changed the rules and went with a designated hitter, uh, now there's a new assault on the rules. Um, but because attendance doesn't mean as much, it means more to the owners right now to increase television viewership. And that's a really tough task because baseball is already not a great TV sport, I'd say, uh, especially compared to other things that are out there. Uh, it's always going to be really slow. And so there's an attack on the speed of the game and owners want to do whatever it takes right now to attract more viewers worldwide in the US doesn't matter they just they just need more that's the capitalist model your business must grow each year so they're doing whatever it takes so let's dive into the DH well you know what before I dive into the DH uh, let's go over what's changed uh, recently so implemented already into baseball is uh, the automatic intentional walk and I was told that the by implementing this rule you save about uh, 15 seconds a game I don't know where they came up with such a stat, but um, it doesn't shave a whole lot of time off, but inevitably it does uh, increase the speed of the game. Let me tell you why I have a problem with that, a huge problem with that. Um, obviously, I'm stubborn. And that's not the way I was taught the game, so that's how I understand it's played. Um, now, when you're growing up playing Little League and um, and Pony and, and Colt and high school and things like this, um, there's not a whole lot of, there's not very many situations where you're going to intentionally walk someone. So this isn't something that came up a lot, but when you start getting into the era of, you know, steroid Barry Bonds, Intentional walks come up a lot. Now, it was really interesting being a fan of the Giants and Bonds back in the heyday, or in his heyday, because he was just so dangerous. And I believe one year he might have been walked intentionally 120 times, something like that. So almost every game he was being intentionally walked, and... um oftentimes more than once. So what that was like was it was really annoying and you didn't appreciate it. But what it did give you a chance to do as a fan was to let the other team know how you felt about them walking your best player. And it gives the the fans a chance to interact uh, with the other team and feel the energy uh, with each other throughout the ballpark. And, oh, we just used to boo, boo the other pitcher mercilessly. And 
I don't think it's a very good idea to uh, take something away from the fans that it. How could I put the, it? It felt right. It felt right to boo as loud as you could because you know sports is supposed to be your best man against my best man you know think of think of how it feels when um you know a guy like Floyd Mayweather uh wouldn't fight Pacquiao for equal purses and this is when both of them were kind of at the top of their game and you got a guy like a Mayweather who's saying, oh, I deserve a lot more. It really irritated me because all I really wanted was the two best fighters to look at the other person saying they're the best fighter and say, not only can I kick your ass, but I'm going to prove it. I think that's what every boxing fan wants. And... You know, baseball is no different. You want to see the best pitcher go right at the best hitter. And when Barry Bonds was so dominant, um, didn't really, didn't happen enough. There's so much importance put on winning, and I think that's important. Um, it just, it wasn't a good idea for the other team to pitch to him because. He didn't play with a very strong lineup a lot of the years where he was the most dominant. So, I mean, it actually just did make more sense to walk him all the time. Now, he only had 120 intentional walks, but, I mean, they really didn't give him any good pitches to hit. So, he had a lot of walks that year, and or he had a lot of walks in that decade. But uh, I believe he led the league one year with 198 walks. I don't see that getting broken anytime soon. Anyway, what's the point of all this? All we had as a defense, as fans, was to boo the other team. And because you had to throw all four pitches, you couldn't really do it in any quicker than, say, I don't know, 30 seconds? So at least you had 30 seconds the whole stadium to boo the other team. And I think that's important because it it grates it grates on the other team to some degree. And it makes the other team realize that they're doing the wussy thing and they're not putting mono e mono and seeing the great competition. They're just kind of sidestepping it. So at least make that pitcher and make that other team feel wussy by throwing the four pitches, making the catcher stand up, put his arm out. You know, make them go through those motions because I think baseball is more exciting. That was silly to say, I think. Baseball is more exciting if you go after all the batters. And... You know, let the chips fall as they may. 
So it's always going to be more exciting. So at least give the fans an opportunity to let the other team know, yeah, we're not impressed, and maybe you should do something different the other time. So to me, that's more important, holding on to that, than saving 15-ish seconds per game. Um, And the other reason why that's important is let's not forget that mistakes can be made during the intentional walk. And it might look easy from the television to say, oh, all you have to do is throw it outside and they won't swing at it. Um, It's not as easy as it looks. And I've seen home runs come off of uh, intentional, uh, attempted intentional walks. Uh, I've seen RBI doubles. I've seen wild pitches. And the most interesting time to see an intentional walk is in the playoffs with men on base and when tension is really really high um you got to you got to throw a pitch let's see what am i trying to say a pitcher doesn't really practice intentional walks like they practice the rest of their pitches so arguably it's the hardest pitch to throw correctly and as the drama is unfolding in front of you, and it's more important than ever to keep the base runners where they are. I think you got to make the pitcher and the catcher pull it off. Um, because not only is the motion hard, but you give the fans a chance in that playoff game to really let... Um, the drama no that's not the right word the suspense you really let the suspense build in such a scenario so not a fan whatsoever of the automatic intentional walk and you know that that's just that's being too friendly um get rid of it (laughs) it doesn't help the game so get rid of it. Now, I think maybe new people to the game could say, I don't see the point. But I just explained the point. So anyway, that's my take on that. And the other new rule that has come into play, I think this last year, uh, I didn't watch any of the 60 games, so I'm not totally sure. But the the three batter minimum. Um... And when I say three batter minimum, I, what I mean is a pitcher, when they enter the game, has to pitch to at least three batters, um, probably barring injury. Um, again, this was meant to speed up the game. And again, um, I don't like it at all. And here's the reason why. I apologize if all of my references are to the Giants uh, because I'm sure a lot of people are hate Barry Bonds with a passion and have no interest in the Giants. All The only reason I do this is because it connects me to the game because that's how I grew up uh, being a fan of Major League Baseball. So again, Barry Bonds era, uh, I saw a lot of lefty specialists that came into the game to face just Barry Bonds and... They were taken out immediately after that at bat was over. 
Now, yes, that does take time, but let me tell you why that is important. It was a true weapon. I would love to see the uh, statistics for Barry against lefty specialists. I know there were certain people out there that had tremendous stats against him, and it gave teams a reason to hold a roster spot. You only get 25 for an extremely talented specialist pitcher that can get out that lefty slugger. Not all teams have that, but the ones that do did have a competitive advantage over the ones that didn't when they faced a team like the Giants that, you know, enemy number one is Barry, and after that it's kind of like, eh, we'll take take our chances, but let's not get beat by him. I think in the long game, all that really does is it saves a roster spot for more offense. And I'm not opposed to offense whatsoever. I love good offense in a baseball game. But I don't feel like we need to change the rules to create such a thing. And... Again, you're altering history when you start to change rules that say pitchers have to do certain things. I think this needs to be left up to the coach. Let the manager decide when his pitcher comes in, when his pitcher comes out, how many people he's facing, because that's his job. And I'm a little surprised that the powers that be aren't into such which that's not what I meant aren't into the old style before the three batter minimum because it provides them an opportunity for a commercial break which is something that I thought they loved I thought they loved all the pauses in baseball in between innings for that um you know, there's no need for TV timeouts. It's just baseball already takes care of all those things. And so I just don't know any baseball fans that stopped being baseball fans because they thought the game was too slow and that things needed to be changed to speed it up. I just never met those people. And it's it's just not going to happen that there's people who aren't fans yet of baseball, but want to be as soon as it speeds up about 10% or so. I, that's not going to happen. Ever. You're either in it for what it is or was, or you're not. And I think that's really the only way there is to it. But... I know that the owners are going to do whatever it takes to keep increasing profits. And if it, if their rule changes, make it appear like it's adding fans, they're going to keep doing it and it's going to dismantle the game. Now what's on deck right now is extremely, extremely scary. 
Oh my god, I can't believe I'm going to utter these three words, but rumor has it it's being implemented in the minor leagues this year. The all machine strike zone. Uh, yes, go ahead and not have an umpire behind the plate. Uh, we'll tell you if it crossed the plate or not. This is really troubling. Really, really, really troubling. Uh, so much so that I'm not going to comment on it yet. Uh, the other thing or the other rule that might be changing very soon. Um, boy, I hope not. God, this one might be as bad. The uh, extra inning place a runner on second base automatically to start the inning. Um, this is what we play in softball and seems fine. People that play softball, you know, they're not really up historic up, uh, against historical statistics. You pretty much go out to have a few pops with your buddies, uh, get the sensation of playing, enjoy it once a week and get out of there. Uh, uh, this is not meant for Major League Baseball. Um, it's been played too long to change something like this. And it will change statistics in a way that... You always have to think of the long game on statistics. And... There's going to be too many pauses because I want to really get into why it's so important for long-term, statistically speaking, a rule like this couldn't change. But I just don't think it's important. Um, I think through the uh, breadth of the whole nine episodes, um, that will kind of work itself out. But um, – those are two things that are on deck right now. That's why I dedicated uh, this show to rule changes because the two I mentioned earlier have already happened. The two I mentioned just previously are on deck to happen and I believe uh, are being played that way in the minor leagues this year. And so <laughs> we've never seen baseball played that way, but uh, we're about to if you want to watch minor leagues. And so... I guess we'll see how it works out, but um, it sure puts the humanity of the game at serious risk, and uh, things will not be the same after this happens. And, you know, I have to say there's a chance it will be better, but boy, I don't see that one coming. So... Speaking of rule changes, uh, let's go a little bit more in-depth on the designated hitter. There is so much to say about the designated hitter. Um, Got implemented in the early 70s uh, as a way to bring more offense into the game. And it's been played that way ever since. Uh, Some people thought it would go back. Um, but the American League has adopted this form of baseball. Uh, the National League chose not to 
And from what I hear, uh, they're trying to unite the leagues and play the game with a universal designated hitter. Um, I could never describe to you how adamantly I, I am opposed to such an implementation, uh, but maybe throughout these episodes, you'll get an inkling. So I think the most, the crux of the issue is, uh, the original rules has it, uh, nine players play defense and nine players bat. Um, Historically speaking, the pitcher has been the weakest link in terms of offense. Um, but that doesn't mean they've been useless. And there's been quite a few moments in history where that's been proven. Um, let me take you through a couple of those scenarios that this isn't meant to prove the point. It's just kind of the it's here to remind you that when you hear people say pitchers aren't supposed to hit and uh, who wants to watch a pitcher hit, it's not really accurate. And they're not looking at the entire scenario. They're more looking at the game in terms of a highlight reel. Uh, but it's an, uh, it's an important factor for not only the entirety of the, of the game or the entirety of the season. Batters face certain pitchers sometimes throughout their whole career. And because baseball always plays the long game, it's important to not pull the carpet out from... <sighs> you can't pull the carpet out from under the pitcher because they are crafting the best way they know how to get this batter out. And a pitcher is going to pitch a certain way if they know that they have to bat. Um, so let me give you a couple examples of pitchers doing great things. Um, a friend of mine told me a story. Excuse me. Uh, he went to a Giants game. He was out in the bay. Uh, they were listening to the game, and the Giants were getting no hit heading into the 8th inning. And they were only down 1-0 or 2-0, and uh, Tim Lincecum was pitching for the Giants and pitching quite well. And so uh, Bruce Bochy, the manager, decided to let Timmy hit in the 8th inning. And uh, Timmy broke up the no-hitter with a single. And the Giants rallied. And the Giants ended up winning the game. And my friend jumped off the boat into the ocean to celebrate. I think that's beautiful. Two reasons. Uh, Tim Linscombe is not known as a very good hitter. But he was pitching so well that the manager said, I like my chances with Timmy more than anyone else. Get up there and swing the bat, kid. And then he got a victory out of it. So I think that's beautiful. And I think that's an important part of baseball. Um, as a kid, uh, on my way to school, they would play the radio station KNBR in the morning. My ride would. This is probably third, yeah, probably third grade. And uh, I remember hearing the 
discussion that morning was very excited about how it was a late inning game. Who knows, 13th, 14th inning, and the Giants were basically out of players. So they decided to uh, pinch hit their best hitting pitcher, Don Robinson, and he hit a walk-off home run. Can you imagine getting to cheer for that moment, for that walk-off home run? I've been to probably, I don't know, over 100 games, I'm saying. In my memory, I've only seen one walk-off home run. And it certainly wasn't a pitcher. Uh, so I think that's just cool as hell. Um, I remember hearing that Levon Hernandez, the pitcher, got eight hits in a row. Um, that's impressive. I can recall the 89 World Series where Giants A's, uh, very excited about that one. And Giants were just getting the tar beat out of them by the A's, uh, interrupted by the earthquake. But um, the Giants had a home game, and they were losing. And the A's pitcher hit a ball over the center fielder's head, I think, for a triple. And at that moment, kind of like it couldn't get any worse, and then that happened. Um, So that really sticks in my mind as a a filthy memory, but kind of a cool thought of like, well, at least we're going to get the pitcher out. And then, you know some guy that doesn't really look like he's ever held a bat before hits a triple off a big league pitcher. Um, I went to the, um, in 2010, the Giants were the last game of the season. They needed a victory to uh, clinch a playoff berth. And um, their pitcher Sanchez was in a real nail biter and he hit a triple and I believe scored the go-ahead run for the Giants. So he helped himself get the victory, and Giants went on to the playoffs and went on to the World Series. So I think that's important. Um, And then I guess the final example I'll give you that comes to mind is uh, I'm reading a book about Bob Gibson right now, and there's some great stats. He had um, five homers in a season once. Um... And he also had 20 RBIs in a season. And that's your nine hitter. Um, and playing every three, four, or five games. So I think that's very impressive. And it lets you know that pitchers can bat. Um, okay, hold on. There's going to be one more after this. I, I just remembered an important one. I can't forget. But also, um, Bob Gibson pitched and won a seventh game of the World Series and added a home run that game. You're helping your team win by being a better batter. It helps your team. It makes you a better pitcher being a better batter. I think that's important. Finally, in order to I'll give you just a little more proof. Um, On a lunch break once, I caught opening day of the season, and Madison Bumgarner was pitching. Uh, He came up for his second at-bat, and they said, well, Madison uh, actually has already homered today, and then he hit a second homer. Uh, So a pitcher hit two opening day bombs. Um which is, I think is incredibly, incredibly impressive. So 
it's just a little bit of proof that pitchers can hit. But much more importantly than that, there's built-in protection. I used to get really irritated when Roger Clemens was an American League pitcher, and he used to talk about, "Oh yeah, I I own the inside. I, I I'm an inside pitcher." And you can't really be a tough guy pitcher if you don't go up there and hit. Because if your M.O. is to be mean and tough, if you don't have to bat and face the music of the other team's pitcher knowing that you could get plunked at any moment, how would a team get their revenge on you? That's what was built into baseball from the beginning was that sort of protection where if you're going to be a tough guy, every nine positions you're going to have to go up there and hit. I worked with a kid in Colorado for a summer that he was, he grew up in Florida and I say kid, but this guy was a monster. He was probably 6'8", and not really skinny at all. So probably like a 6'8", 250 type of guy. And uh, we found out that uh, we were both baseball fans. So we started to talk about baseball, and he was saying he's a pitcher and uh, and threw hard. Um, 90s. Uh, I never played catch with him, so I don't know this, but this is what he was claiming. He also claimed that he pitched in a game where he drilled seven batters in a row because he really didn't like the team. And I didn't totally believe him, but uh, I wanted to see what he'd say. So I asked him how the other team uh, pitched him when he came up to bat after plunking seven guys in a row. And all he said was, oh, it was Florida. Uh, Designator hitter is implemented in high school, so uh, I didn't have to bat. How unfair is that, that you can pitch like you're a little badass and then you just hide in the dugout and have someone else hit for you? Boy, I really, really don't like that. And that's what makes me sick about Major League Baseball. If they're going to change rules, there is a trickle-down that goes all the way to Little League. And the game wasn't meant to be played with a designated hitter. This rule got implemented to add fans in a dwindling era of attendance. On my high school team... uh, Our pitcher was our best player, and he hit either leadoff or third, depending on how the coach wanted him, because we had another slugging center fielder, and they would kind of switch off. There's been so many good hitting pitchers. I brought it up before. Babe Ruth won. We got to keep this one. We have to. We just have to. Now, this amazing thing happened 50 years ago where they changed a rule that I still hate. But oddly enough, 
I'm going to defend the designated hitter in the American League. I know it might be hard to believe, but I'm going to give you a really, really compelling reason why. Next week, when I do episode three, I'm going to, excuse me, I'm going to start off with that. But hey, like I said, first day of spring, March 21st, 2021. My 40 minutes are up. I'll see you next week. Ha, 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 ha.